To quote a famous robot, I'm back, baby. Welcome back to my seminary life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. The break is over. The hiatus is over. The show is back and here for a while. This month is our or the beginning of our new series, Celebrate March. The, a very fun, very different, very unique series. It has nothing really to do with higher education at all. All throughout this month, each episode, we're going to celebrate somebody who was born in the month of March who has made a contribution to religion, faith, pop culture, in some cases, all of the above. We're celebrating the 150th episode of the show, the three-year anniversary of the show, and yes, I turned 30 this month. So with all of these things just kind of stacked on top of each other, I thought this was the right year to do this kind of a series. I don't know if this will ever come back, but... What's been fun for me as I've been sitting down recording each of these episodes, starting to get ahead a little bit here, is that since the unifying theme is March, each episode is going to have a very unique topical conversation, which is still still has been like very important topics to cover. Uh, In one of the episodes coming up, we are going to talk about children's ministry. So we are still talking about... um, ministry related things here during this show, but it's been a wide ranging conversation. And I definitely think that's going to be the case today as we start Celebrate March by celebrating the birth of Dr. Seuss, literally on his birthday. This episode is coming out on March 2nd. It is the 120th birthday of Dr. Seuss. So another reason why this is a a special occasion episode. We can say it's a 120th birthday celebration episode. We're going to be reviewing the Lorax, the illumination version, not the book or apparently there was a direct or not direct to DVD. What am I trying to say? TV movie. There was like a TV movie animated version that came out like in the 70s. We're here to talk about the Illumination version starring Danny DeVito as the Lorax and also a whole bunch of other people. This movie is stacked. And to have this conversation, I have brought back with me my wife, Claire, and I'm going to stall for half a second because she's having a snack while we're recording. So I'll make sure that she has a clear mouth. Welcome back to the show. Hello. So again, we're going to be talking about Dr. Seuss and the Lorax. So hold on. Pop quiz, Claire. Mm -hmm. What is Dr. Seuss's full name? I have no idea. No guess at all? I I don't know. Okay. So Seuss is his middle name. Would you like to go from there? He was born in 1904. Does that help at all? Think old-fashioned names. Robert or something. Theodore Seuss Geisel. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. That's your <laughs> response is that's a bummer. Um, was Dr. Seuss actually a doctor? Do you know, was Dr. Seuss actually a doctor? As far as I'm concerned. He does not have a PhD or a demon, or any of the other versions that mean you're a doctor. So Dr. Seuss is his official um, 
what do you call that? Pseudonym, nom de plume. Pseudonym, nom de plume. Well, those are different things. A pseudonym, a pen name, nom de plume. They're all different. They mean the same thing. Like a fake name. Interesting. He used a couple other ones. Dr. Seuss. What was that? P.D. Eastman, I believe, is one of them. One of his other pseudonyms? Yeah, because I think that is... uh, We have one that says P.D. Eastman instead. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, Rosetta Stone is another one that came up. Another one of his pen names. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Like the you know the the thing that had all the different languages on it. I I know what the Rosetta Stone is. Yes, thank you. Okay, good. Um, there was another one I can't remember. Uh, but no, Doctor Seuss didn't does not have a doctorate. It's a pen name or non de plume or whatever. I think one of them is Theo, so Theodore, and then his last name backwards, Lisig or something like that. I think that's another one. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. I really like that one. Um, he did go to Oxford, though, for his master's, which when an American goes to Oxford, that's pretty cool. Unless you're in England and you go to Oxford and an American showing up, probably it's a bit of a bummer. I mean, I think we have that effect most places. Uh, Dr. Seuss is, for those of you who may not know, is a children's author and illustrator, arguably one of the most well-known iconic ones of all time having authored roughly 60 children's books including the lorax as we're going to discuss today the cat in the hat the cat in the hat comes back how the grinch stole christmas um trying to think what other ones out there one fish two fish red fish blue fish green eggs and ham and the one that everyone has to quote at their high school commencement Oh, the places you will go. So, Claire, for the past almost two years now, we have been regularly reading Dr. Seuss books to producer Cooper because, as I said, Dr. Seuss is a staple on most children's bookshelves. Is there any that, uh, as you have been reading these to Cooper, really stand out to you or maybe are even like, I wish he would stop picking this one? <laughs> Um, I actually don't like, um, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. It's entirely too long and I I can't stand it. I, uh, it is very long. I will agree with that. I think I'm also not a fan personally of, are you my mother? It's that one's almost too short. That. The version we have, the board book version, that's not the full thing. It's like a it's like a shortened version for a board book. The actual story is longer. Well, maybe we should go find the actual story because the board book version kind of bums me out a little bit. Yes. Dr. Seuss's books have also been transitioned into film and television for a very long time. Even when he was like actively writing these, his works were being turned into Warner Brothers cartoons or feature-length films. Dr. Seuss did write one original film script, not a a book 
that was turned into one of his movies, but an original screenplay for a fantasy musical comedy film called The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. I have not seen this movie, but I've heard it is rather odd. Uh, that's all I've ever gotten. It actually got turned into a movie. I didn't real. You told me he wrote the screenplay. I didn't know that like it actually like became a movie because people write screenplays all the time and nothing happens with them. It's on Tubi. We can pull. It's supposed to be on Tubi. So if you want to do that for a movie I'd like night, to watch it. I would like to watch that very much. It sounds like the kind of silly. I when you go on the app, just watch. As we're doing all these free plugs, that I don't get paid for. Um, when you go on the app, just watch and pull up the film, it gives you related movies and it's all the trippy, like sixties films. I like, like the monkeys movie had, it's like all these really like trippy films that like mess with your head, but not in a bougie Christopher Nolan kind of way. Sweet. Anyway. So Dr. Seuss's works have been turned into films for a very long time. Probably the most recognizable one would be How the Grinch Stole Christmas, whether it's the Boris Karloff version or the Jim Carrey version. I kind of doubt the Benedict Cumberbatch version. But those other two are very much so staples for people during the Christmas season. Claire's giving a big okay. I think during your last appearance, you talked about how that was one of your favorite Christmas movies. Flawless. Flawless movie. It's one of Jim Carrey's best performances, for sure. No notes. No notes. Um, Did I I, I use that right? You're asking the wrong person. I'm the one turning 30. I guess I'll have to ask my teenagers eventually. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Of course, there's also the... um, very the one we don't talk about the mike myers cat in the hat we don't talk about that one who doesn't talk about that i will always talk about that movie that movie is hilarious it is a fantastic child-friendly acid trip i love it i think that's what the five thousand fingers of dr death or dr death dr t is going to be is a kid-friendly acid trip so maybe uh, and his works continue to be adapted into films. It, Warner Brothers Animation in 2025, 26, and 27 will be scheduled to release. Of course, it's Warner, Warner Brothers, so we'll see what gets canceled. But in 25, we're supposed to get an animated Cat in the Hat, 26. Thing 1 and Thing 2 are getting their own film. And then 27, Oh, The Places You Will Go. I don't know if anybody is attached to those yet. I don't know how you do Oh, the Places You Will Go. Don't ask me. I don't know either. I only ever read that book in school at the end of school year. So, like, I don't care. Yeah. You know the one that they should do? Butter Battle Book. You ever read Butter Battle Book? Maybe. It's an anti-war book. It's an anti-Cold War book. Or not anti-Cold War, but it's anti-war. It's very much uh, a reference a few people will get. It's very much the iconic scene from The Untouchables with Sean Connery of like how war just continues to escalate until it's just mutual destruction. And that's what this book is talking about, is how like war just leads to just the demise of everybody 
if we just keep escalating things. This is a children's book. They, they wonder how we all became so radicalized, as they say. But, like, they were giving us anti-war books, pro-environment books, anti-capitalism movies, all while we were growing up. And I'm watching these, and I'm like, you told us to do this. You can't be mad now. Yeah, and I think it's kind of cool that, like, when it comes to Dr. Seuss, um, he has his books that are, like, iconic for being just really fun to read, right? Green Eggs and Ham, you know? Doctor Or uh, The Cat in the Hat. Like, these are just, like, iconic, fun, Mr. Brown can moo, can you? Of just, like, silly rhyming stories with made-up words, walk it in my pocket, things like that. And then Anti-War Story pro-environmental story anti-capitalism um or even like oh the places you will go does have a you know even though it's overused in the like high school commencement speech thing it is a bit of like this existential journey kind of like you don't know what life has in store for you kind of thing so he has like the majority of his work is like very much this like for fun children's entertainment but then there's like this small pocket of like yeah i'm really gonna put some chips down on some of these stories you know so with all that in mind listeners you may be curious of all of these why the lorax and why the movie well there's two reasons for that one of those is what i just said of the lorax as opposed to one fish two fish red fish blue fish has a bit more of a a bit more substance to it. There's a message here, whether it is the book or the movie. Um, but the other reason why specifically the Lorax is because we're going to get a little geeky here for a moment. Not that talking about children's books aren't already geeky. This movie is an illumination film, and Claire, you have thoughts when it comes to illumination. Would you like to tell us our tell us your thoughts on Illumination Entertainment? Illumination Entertainment is melting our children's brains. It's terrible. This is the only good Illumination movie. The rest of it, garbage. Despicable Me, can't stand it. Those stupid minions, oh my gosh, they are the most annoying things on the face of the earth. I guess if you like it, I'm not going to judge you. Like... Like what you like, enjoy the things that you enjoy, but they're stupid. The the one of the taglines over at Systematic Ecology is like what you like and don't be a jerk. I think it was on the back of my t shirt there for a while. Um so this is it. <clears throat> this is the only good illumination film. Yes. Hop with Russell Brand. I guess I've never seen that one, but it's probably terrible. Sing. Terrible. Secret Life of Pets. Garbage. The new one with ducks, Migration. I haven't seen that one yet. Though they did use a Taylor Swift song in the trailer. Yeah, and on Taylor Swift, can we just address the fact, you brought this up when we were watching the movie, she she has a character in this movie, like a, a B character, so a pretty pivotal characters of the plot no song she didn't get a single song on this right even at the end when they all sing the song and there's all these like little different snippets she doesn't even get like a three-line solo nothing 
Hashtag the Lorax Taylor's version. Honestly, that's what I want. Taylor Swift, if you're listening to this, please. First off, hi. Please write your own version of the, the Lorax soundtrack. That is all. This movie does contain probably, I shouldn't say probably, I would say safe to say the best original Illumination song. And I guess we can debate which one that is, but I think we're on the same page with that song. Um, we have the anti-capitalism song. Correct. Um, <laughs> but, but going back to Illumination, I will disagree with you on one thing and then I will agree with you on the rest of it. I do like the original Despicable Me. I do like the original one. Um, does that, should that movie have merited three soon to be, or excuse me. Yeah. There are number four is coming out this year and there's been two minions films as well. I don't know if that movie was that good and I can see how someone could find the, find the minions a little irritating. I, I have an ex-boyfriend who would regularly speak like a minion just because no reason just always i'm glad you dumped him (laughs) ick the ick gross he had the ick he gave me the ick i had the ick no he was just ick i mean yes that too I will say this, though, on Illumination, and this might go a little bit to what you're meaning by melting our children's minds. I find their stuff to be very safe and very, like, carbon copy of each other. I said this when we were watching the film. If you told me that every single Illumination film was part of the same shared universe, I would believe you because these movies all look the same. The animation style looks the same across the board and not in a good way. Not like in a Disney or Pixar or DreamWorks, like iconic kind of way, but in like a, you just swapped out the characters. And when it comes to the plot of most of their movies, I find them to be outside of this one. (laughs) I find the plots of a lot of these films to be very just cookie cutter kids movie you know at the risk of being cast out of the geek community which by the way we both liked madam webb so we were already kicked out of the geek community but at the risk of at the risk of being kicked out of the geek community the mar the super mario bros movie you didn't watch it cooper and i did it was fine i don't know Yes, that is an Illumination film. Oh, right. That's why I wouldn't go and see it with you, because I refuse. I will not give Illumination any of my money. I hope that the company goes under. Please stop making movies. Well, I hate to break it to you, but there's another Despicable Me, another Sing, and another Secret Life of Pets all in the works. Come up with a new idea. I'm going to talk about that one as well, but let me finish Let me finish my thought on the Super Mario Bros. movie because no one has asked me to come talk about it on SG, so I'll just do it here. Um, so it's just, I, I feel like I'm supposed to like it, and it was really just fine. Everyone talks about how great 
um, Jack Black was as Bowser. And he was, but that's really it when it comes to this movie. I don't even know why Luigi was in the movie. I think if you cut Luigi out of the story, it's nothing changes. I think it's basically the same movie at that point. I Basically, they made a bright colored film because it did hold Cooper's attention for that. And then threw in there just quick video game references for all of the parents watching the movie to sit there and do the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen meme. Like it was just, it was just fine. Is it fair that a almost 30 year old and also you is sitting here critiquing children's movies? I mean, here's the thing. It's like, yes, it's a movie for kids. But the thing about it is that other companies for a very long time have been making children's movies that also appeal to adults. So it's possible. You're just not trying hard enough. I will always go back to the Spider-Verse films from Sony, the Lego movies from Warner Brothers, and even the Sonic the Hedgehog films from Paramount as examples of well-written kids movies that hold adults attention there's other ones and i think for us we're going to be biased because like we'll sit here and easily tell you that finding nemo was an amazing movie or shrek but we grew up watching those whereas these more these other films these more recent ones especially with spider-verse the animation's amazing And the writing is very good. They write very engaging stories for adults. I saw the Lego movie on my 21st birthday. Like, that's what I did. Everyone else goes out and, you know, goes cray cray. I was sitting there watching Lego characters talk to each other. So you brought up the whole have an original idea thing, right? Mm -hmm. So in the 14-year existence of Illumination, there's been soon to be four Despicable Me movies plus two spinoffs, soon to be three Sing films, soon to be three uh, Secret Life of Pet films, two Dr. Seuss movies, The Grinch with Benedict Cumberbatch is the other one, and then like Hop and Migration. So basically in 14 years, the extent of their film catalog is sequels. They are solely, I, I, I truly believe that the company is only afloat because of the minions, because they sell so much crap for kids. That is the minions. I, I believe it with all of my heart. By comparison, Pixar in their first 14 years. So when you were 14 years old, because you were born when the first movie came out, there were two Toy Story films. All the rest of their films up until that point were standalone. The third one hadn't come out? It was the next year. The third one came out in 20, what would that be, 13? And with that, even though there's a fifth Toy Story film coming out, and there was technically the Lightyear spinoff, and also technically two Lightyear spinoffs, because Disney's just going to keep brushing past Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Justice for Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. We love Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Listen here, Bob. Eager. Is that how you say his name? Listen here, Bob. 
Bobby, give us Buzz Lightyear Star Command back. The movie and the TV show. And really put your, uh, this is a, a Christian podcast, really put your money where your mouth is. Stop making merch for the Star Wars holiday special and actually put it on the app. But, but actually don't. I mean, stop making merch for the holidays for the Star Wars holiday special. It's a load of crap. It it would be better for everyone. <laughs> it really is. I really wanted to like that movie, that special, like ironically because it was bad. But no, it is. It's just bad. I thought for sure I was gonna be the one true Star Wars fan who liked the Star Wars Christmas special and. And I, I am not. <laughs> Pastor Will, if you're listening, hit us up. Let us know what are your thoughts on the Star Wars Christmas special. Anyway, yeah, so, and even DreamWorks, like, by the time they had their 14-year anniversary, they had done basically all the Shrek films. And there were two Kung Fu Panda films and three Madagascar films. But also, DreamWorks pumped out a ton of movie. There's a lot of just one-off films in their catalog even within their first 14 years like um dreamworks did prince of egypt they are they are good in my book because that movie's flawless you're also a big shrek person as well i am also a big shrek person not a kung fu panda person well i don't like jack black but you are which is another reason why you didn't watch the super mario bros movie but you are a big how to train your dragon fan chef's kiss we have to go to Universal once they get that area open because there's the island of Burke. Is that what that thing's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's get back on the actual illumination and the Lorax now. 25 minutes. And we haven't even talked about the movie yet. Um, this is like an episode of The Basement Yard. Haven't even got to the thing yet. So all of that is to say this is the one exception. And why don't you explain to us why this is the one exception outside of the fact that Taylor Swift's in it? Well, I mean... First of all, it's Danny DeVito is the Lorax. <laughs> um, also, I think it has a sentimental place in my heart. I went to go see this uh, with my best friend, Alyssa. I don't, whenever it came out. Um, and like, it wasn't like a particularly like amazing movie, but like we had fun together and she bought it for me. The copy we have, she bought for me for my birthday and we have like inside jokes about it. Um, I remember on, we made a friendship bucket list and on that bucket list was to go into the forest, chop down a tree, find the Lorax and kidnap him and make him our pet or something. (laughs) That's awesome. You've never told me that story. I knew you and Alyssa had saw that movie together. Um, so is that what you have to do in order to like get, is that what illumination has to do to get you back is make a movie that somehow is appealing enough for you two to go see it? No. Cause here's the thing. The Lorax is still like, it's still a halfway decent movie. It's got, it's got a really good cast. The music is above average. I'm not going to say it's amazing, but, you know, it's not garbage either. I feel like it's actually got a good plot. It's not just, you know, the same thing over and over again. I think it's got a good message. Bless you. Um, So while she takes care of that, um, 
Yeah, I I actually I would say that this is a really good soundtrack. I actually really like the music. There's the one really good song in there, but I I think the the whole soundtrack, like start to finish, is actually really good. Um, I saw this like just a few years ago for the first time. I don't know. I think this one just kind of fell by the wayside. We never got to it. Um, along with along with Danny DeVito and Taylor Swift, this movie also stars. Uh, what's his face? High school, yeah, Zach Efron, High School Musical, Iron Claw Boy, um, Zach Efron, Betty White, mm-hmm. and Ed Helms. Mm-hmm. It's a stacked group right there. It's a funny group, and also Zach Efron. Like, <laughs> like, um, would you like to take us through kind of the basic, like, what is going on here in the story? Okay, so there's this boy who wants to impress a girl and the girl is like really wants to see like a real live tree there's no real trees air is uh sold in like bottles because there's no trees no real trees and so this girl wants to see a real tree and so this boy wants to find out how he can find a real tree and he finds out i don't exactly remember we just watched this movie two days ago but i don't remember I think his grandma tells him to go outside the city to this place where this guy called the Onceler lives. And the Onceler will tell him how to get a real tree. So he goes, he finds the Onceler, and through a series of visits, he basically tells him this story of how he's the reason that trees are gone because he was selfish trying to make some clothing item. But while this is happening, the guy, the capitalist, who is in charge of selling all of the air to the people who need to breathe, (laughs) um, he does not like that somebody is finding out about trees because trees produce air for free. It's called photosynthesis. Uh, Anyway, um, so he is actively trying to keep this boy from learning about about trees. But um, that does not stop him. He continues to go to the Onceler. The Onceler finally gets to the end of the story, says, I screwed up. I chopped down all these trees so I could make this clothing item and get lots and lots of money. Capitalism ruined the environment. And... um, but there is one seed left and the onceler has been is like waiting for the right person to give it to and he realizes yes you are the person i'm supposed to give this seed to so he gives him the seed and he goes to take the seed back to show it to this girl so he can impress her but you know bad guy capitalist wants to not you know wants to get rid of the seed wants to destroy the seed so they kind of go through a chase throughout the city blah 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 blah. um eventually they kind of all get cornered by like all of the like all of the people in the city and they give this impassioned speech about how trees create air for free and we should be caring for them and that they're amazing and so all the townspeople are like yeah no let's plant this tree and so they do and then lots of trees start to grow so oh i didn't even mention the lorax 
no. <laughs> In the flashbacks, basically, the one slur is um, he's trying to create this item of clothing. And he finds out that the best material is the stuff in these trees. And so he cuts down a tree so that he can take all of the, they're not leaves, whatever it is, the material off of them. And it um, invokes the wrath of Danny DeVito. <laughs> uh who he comes down and basically is like hey you can't do that like i am taking care of the trees i speak for the trees and you can't cut them down so uh initially he agrees okay i won't cut them down i will just pick the the material off of the trees but it's not going fast enough because people start really liking his product and so then his family convinces him to cut down the cut down the trees and in his quest for fame and fortune, he cuts down every single tree. I don't know how any of these people are alive. Um, and yeah, so and then he creates this need for this guy to come in and sell air in bottles. So that was, yeah, that's the movie. And they do end up um, planting the seed and, you know, start producing their own air. A few details, a few minor details to fill in from me. So the villain's name is O'Hare, and I only remember that because airport. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, it's been a while since, oh, yeah, if you're not from around here, O'Hare Airport, it's a big airport in Chicago. It's the one you don't go to. All my friends who are living on the East Coast, please Fly into Midway if you're ever going to come visit me. Don't go to O'Hare. I ain't picking you up. Um, yeah, you're going to be Ubering. You'll be Ubering if you decide to go to O'Hare Airport. Midway, we'll get you. Anyway, um, I, it's been a while since I've read the actual book. So I can't remember if the the fact that O'Hare is selling bottled air to them is a thing for the movie or if that came from the book or not. Either way plot point of space balls as well like that was they were selling air they were going to destroy princess vespa's planet and steal all of their air for planet space balls i know you only watched the movie with me one time so maybe you don't remember all these details but like this this is like also shows up in that movie of like stealing air and selling bottles of air so that way people can breathe and just to point out they do have trees but they're all like plastic it's basically like plastic artificial christmas trees everywhere and you're right the the fancy trees that they use to make the thneeds thneeds thneed thneed um it's not leaves it's almost more like feathers on top you know they're called like trefula trees i think so they're like fluffy yeah they're very pretty they're like pink and orange and colors like that um so you kept pointing out the anti-capitalism part i'll come with the tolkien hook the tolkien hook uh especially with the iconic song in this uh in this movie of it is especially with o'hare it is a in the one slur once he like really starts giving in to 
like the desire to become rich and powerful it is very much just like uh this is what happens when you get sold out to capitalism and you get sold out to the allure of uh money and power i'm trying to avoid the word fame because that's not like a part of this story particularly i think in the real world that is also a part of it but in this movie mostly just money but you also have i told you this when we were watching the movie because it really had dawned on me when we were watching it a couple days ago, this is like children's Lord of the Rings because it's also very much anti-industrialization because as Onesler's product starts to get popular and they do start destroy cutting down trees, they just don't cut down trees with axes. It, it really does look like Mordor. Like they, it gets very industrial, very like the machinery isn't bright and shiny. It's, you know, it immediately looks dark and dingy. And it also kind of looks like Springfield. There's like the one scene during that song, they like dump sludge all over the fish. And that's like the nuclear waste plant, just like dumping nuclear waste into the river in Springfield. Well, the one boy is green. He turns green because he goes in the water and there's like chemicals in the water. The one little boy. Yeah. That's like a thing there at the end of the, uh, at the, at the end of the movie as well during the closing song for those of you who may not have seen this movie um so ed helms plays the onesler and if you don't know who ed helms is you're missing out on like the best character from the office um i think he was in the i think he was in the hangover too but obviously the office is better um and he has this song called how bad can it be i think it's what it's called bad can i be how bad can I be? And I'm just doing what comes naturally. And I think that's the part I really like about like the message of that song of like, this is natural. He even talks about how she's messing with my mic stand. She, <laughs> he even talks about like, he talks about evolution and how like, this is just survival of the fittest. Like I figured it out, you know, industrialization is the next step in the evolutionary process. And that means I get to destroy all of nature because this is the next step. How bad can I be? I'm just doing what comes naturally. And I think he talks a little bit about like business model as well, kind of like a supply and demand kind of thing, almost like a, a they live Keith David talking about the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules kind of thing. Like once I have all of this power, I can do what I want kind of thing. I totally lost what I was going to say. Give me a second. You keep fiddling with the mic stand. Was it about the song? Also, you know, there's a lot of little fun like Easter eggs. There's like minions hidden throughout this movie. Like, yeah, one time he opens a drawer and there's like a minion doll in there. But there's an Easter egg that it's kind of like a headcanon thing. I cannot confirm nor deny that this is actually like an Easter egg, but this is headcanon for me. So the Onesler, up until he gets bitten by the industrialization capitalism bug, he's actually not that bad of a guy. Like he's just trying to like make a name for himself. His family is trash. Like he, he comes from like, 
a verbally abusive family, essentially. And once his product takes off, his family, he invites his family to come live with him and to work on the farm, essentially, to make the product. And one of his relatives, he, his aunt comes to live with him, and her name is Aunt Griselda. And um, one of the best monkeys songs is called Aunt Griselda. And it's a song about like this super pretentious woman who like just steps on people and judges people. And that's definitely this woman. I cannot find anything online that says that this is actually a reference to that song, but I'm just going to keep it that way in my head. Did you ever remember the thing that you were going to say? Or is it gone, gone? Gone, gone. Okay, do you have anything to say about my random monkeys um, reference? I just don't understand why you didn't ask me to Google it because I absolutely would have been able to find a definitive answer because I am the master of Googles. She really is, folks. Like, she can find things. And I think it's not just the fact that you can find stuff, I think it's the speed at which you're able to find information that takes not just me but other people as well a long time to try and figure out i figured out who the new pastor of our church was going to be based on a first name and a state like a common first name his his first name is ben and i i think maybe it took 10 minutes if that so for all you feds listening to the show, because we know you are, um, <laughs> we know you are. We're not, we're not even going to play. I know that just got me marked on the notebook thingy, but yeah, if you want to hire my wife, she's got a really good job right now, but you know, who knows? Feds might pay well. You never know. I don't know. Did you know though, um, I learned that the kids are not saying Google it anymore. They're saying search it up. On Sesame Street, they teach kids to look it up. Right. So search it up. Search it up. That's actually kind of lame. I think so. I think Google it sounds way better. It's much shorter. I guess maybe they're trying to be sensitive to people who use different search engines. We don't need to be sensitive to that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't need to be sensitive. I'm all for like making people feel comfortable. We don't need to be sensitive to that. Use DuckDuckGo or Bing or whatever. Or what's the other one? Internet Explorer? That's not what we call it anymore. Edge. Edge, that one. Um, so why is this anti-capitalism, anti-industrialization story, uh, why is it something that you think is important? Um, I think that obviously... Uh, taking care of our world, our environment is important for a lot of different reasons. Number one, uh, it's where we live. And if we don't take care of it, we will no longer have a place to live. And I would like to um, ensure that my son has a place to live and his children and his children's children have um, a safe and healthy environment to live in. Uh, so that's one reason. Number two, um, it's God's creation. And we are technically supposed to be, we are the stewards of this planet that God 
gave us. And so we need to be good stewards of it. We need to take care of it, make sure it continues to grow and thrive. Um, And that's just not happening. But also, I think understanding that when it comes to environmentalism and things like that and maintaining our environment, understanding that while we should all as individuals be taking steps to ensure that we are doing our part, the main contributors to environmental damage and climate change and all of those things are big corporations who cut corners um, to make more money. And that's just a very short-sighted way of thinking, but we have fostered, and I mean, I'm sure part of this is just due to them being selfish, but we have also kind of fostered this ideal that you need to have all this money and you need to claim it for yourself and you there's never enough and there's no no stopping it. And I don't know, I just think that like we as citizens need to be loud about making stricter laws and things like that to prevent these companies from being able to destroy our environment and the environment that will be left to our children and grandchildren just so that they can make a couple more bucks. It's That just doesn't seem worth it, but for some reason, money blinds people to that and they just don't care and that's not right plus who wants to buy air like can we just come back to that one for a second who wants to spend the rest of their life buying bottled air i i I don't think that would work i think we would all just suffocate honey I, i think we would all just die we can figure it out we've figured out a lot of things we can figure out how to bottle air I don't want to figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure someone already has. Yeah, I, I think, so a couple things there. I have heard it said before, and I can't necessarily quantify this with a stat or anything, but I've heard it said before that um, one reason why some Christians kind of get real um, anti-climate change, anti-environmental is because of their understanding of the end times of how this is all just going to burn anyway. So why almost it almost comes to this like why bother kind of mentality and she's sitting here shaking her head. Eventually we'll have to do a video with you in it cuz you know video video reactions. <laughs> but um yeah, I I've heard this said before that like this is part of the reason and it it comes down to like their understanding of their eschatology. But as you were saying, um, I think that's another way that like, that's a very short sighted mentality because you also don't know when Jesus, no matter what your eschatology is, if you are like a pre tribulation rapture, you're getting taken out of here before it all goes to, you know, whatever, like, even if that's your standpoint, you still don't know when Jesus is coming back. So that's an incredibly short-sighted mentality of like, why would I buy into all of this? 
obviously there's also people out there who are anti-science and there's Christians who are very anti-science and anything that gets brought up from a politically left person, like the climate change issue is just going to immediately be dismissed as some, you know, woke liberal agenda. And you know what? We don't have time to unpack all of that. Um, but it's there, like you know, yeah. when you when you ha- maybe the short version is when you're when your faith is very party lined. I think that's another reason why um, some believers would kind of brush this off as an issue. The issue of money is so fascinating, particularly with Christians. You know, it does not surprise me that a person like. Marcus Zuckerberg is going, I don't know if that's actually his first name, um, is going to make decisions that is going to make him the most amount of money because that's the end game. That's, that's the whole point, right? Money, power, information, like that's, that's the currencies, right? So it does not surprise me that a fellow like that would do something like that. You know, any of the, any of the big business guys, it's, the Christians who are this weird, like both and of give everything to God. What is the thing that all of us have heard a thousand times that pastors say, show me your checkbook and I'll show you where your heart is or something like that. Also, none of us use checkbooks anymore. Um, you know, you know, that saying, um, like you, there's that, there's that mentality, the Dave Ramsey mentality. But at the same time, like those same Christians will also be like extremely penny pinchers so they can save up a lot of money and then have a really good like retirement, you know? And like, obviously you need to save money to retire, especially those of us who are millennials who are never going to retire. Um, we need to save all the money we can. But I feel like there are some Christians who live like this really weird, like we have to give everything we can to the Lord, but also like hoard money at the same time. Like money has a very strange effect on people. I saw it with my grandfather, you know, the one who recently passed away. We're going through everything and he had a lot of money and could have helped a lot of people and he didn't. And I think part of that is a generational thing. He grew up part of the greatest generation, grew up during the latter half of the Great Depression. So j- definitely that mentality of hoard everything. Hoard everything. You know, Cool Whip containers, he had a ton of those for no reason. Um, so, but I think we've also have turned at times in Christianity this mindset of hoard everything into like a quasi virtue like Jesus wants you to hoard everything so that way you can give it to God it's like this like backdoor way of being able to like hoard stuff I mean I think obviously there is wisdom in saving and things like that and like she works at a bank um right and that like you should be prepared for unexpected things you should have a savings if you're if you are able to and saving for retirement or even like having extra to if you want to pass some along to your kids and grandkids after you're gone I don't think that there's anything wrong with that but once you become a billionaire 
neither you or your children or your children's children are going to use that much money. There is no possible way. You're not doing anything with that money. It is just sitting there so that you can be rich. And that to me is psychotic. I just don't, I just don't understand. Obviously it's why they become so rich is because they're this selfish, but I just don't understand how a person could be that selfish. It is mind boggling to me that someone could say, hmm, I could still be rich, but also solve world hunger. No, I guess I'll just be rich on my own and not solve it. Like, you have so much freaking money. I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos is on track to be the world's first trillionaire. That is an unfathomable, unfathomable amount of money. And he, so much good could be done with that. And just, nope, just going to keep it. Just going to keep all of these assets and money. And, like, obviously, like, it's not all just sitting in a bank. Like, he has money and assets and things like that. But this man has more riches than he <coughs> than anyone could ever possibly do anything with. But he's just going to keep it because... It makes him look cool. I don't even know. Like what? I don't, I don't understand. Jeff Bezos, I need to speak to you because I need to understand your brain. But like, I don't know, like just do something good with that. I just, I don't, I don't get it. CEO, entrepreneur, born in 1964, Jeffrey Jeffrey Bezos. Yeah, I think, uh, I know this isn't the biggest issue for him to solve, but I think if he ever, like, surpasses the national debt of the U.S., then we really just need to ask him to, like, okay, pay up, buddy. Like, you know, I know that's not the biggest issue. World hunger is a bigger deal. They don't even pay taxes on this stuff. I'm sitting here paying taxes out the wazoo, but no... Jeff Bezos can't pay taxes because then he won't want to keep making money. And so then there'll be what? I'm sorry. You want to pay off our our country's debt. You want to pay for whatever the heck our country needs that we're, you know, because we like the country just needs things. But we're not going to tax the man who literally has a trillion dollars. He's just going to keep making weird looking rockets. Or was that Elon Musk? I think they both. Uh, I think they both made rockets, but I don't I don't freaking know. Like there's I know they have talked about on the Holy Post that at like some point these guys just kind of go back to being children. Cuz remember there for a while Zuckerberg and Elon Musk were going to fight each other in a cage match and they wanted to have it in the Coliseum and this was a real conversation that happened between two grown adults at one point in time. I just People are dying. There are so many worthy things to give money to. But you're going to build a rocket that is... Silly looking. Silly looking. We're just going to... Silly looking. We're just going to go with silly looking. So we need to like... It's one thing to sit here and to critique, which is definitely the 
the bulk of the movie. But you do get to the end there when Zac Efron's character, Ted, I believe, which is also supposed to be a reference to um, Dr. Seuss, Theodore. Um, And he gets up and he says, I speak for the trees. He does the, he does the Lorax line. I speak for the trees. So how can we, obviously we, we can only do so much because we're here in the middle class, but how do we speak for the trees? Also, let's talk about tithing. That's a joke. But how do we, how do we speak for the trees where we're at right now? Um, I mean, I think that we still, we all still have a personal responsibility. Obviously, being able to be environmentally conscious is a privilege that costs money. Not everybody can do that. But it could just be as simple as turning your lights off to save energy. Like, just like simple things like that or... Like, I know people get, you know, pooped on for this all the time, but like skip the cup or skip the straw and um, the straw and the lid. Um, if you have a water bottle, I'm talking to all you Stanley people. If you have a Stanley, stop buying more. Overconsumption is a huge issue. It's a huge it, it, it has a huge impact on the environment. Um, if you can wear secondhand clothing, like there are lots and lots of little things that you can do that could uh, potentially end up saving you money. Um, did you know that it is actually more environmentally friendly if you are searching for a car to purchase? It is more environmentally friendly to purchase a used car that uses traditional fuel than it is to buy a brand new electric car. So I'm just saying there are lots of things and we don't think about that. Um, However, I will say the biggest thing, I think the biggest way we can use our voice and I hope and pray that this never gets taken away from us, but we can use our vote. Um, that's, you know, vote for candidates who care about the environment, who want to make sure that these big companies are held accountable, who want to pass laws to, you know, to keep these things from happening in the future. Like that is a huge way. Like we live somewhere that we can use that voice. Um, obviously pray, you know, seek the, seek god's wisdom and those things but like we we do have a voice and we can tell the people who can make those decisions what we want um so yeah there's i'm sure if you look up just ways to personally be more um con environmentally conscious you will find a lot of things but um also make sure that and not just nationally like locally too make sure you're voting for people who want to keep your local parks clean and things like that like change happens um change starts small 
and will get bigger. So it may not seem like it's making an impact, but, you know. And then listen to people who know what they're talking about. Environmental scientists who went to school for a really, really, really long time and spend their entire lives researching these things. They probably know what they're talking about and we should listen to them. Also, don't buy NFTs. They they leave ginormous carbon footprints. Stop buying those things. Um, Are, were people ever actually buying those? I yeah, like yes. That, was, that felt fake to me. Like, we all were just pretending people were buying NFTs, but nobody was actually buying NFTs. I would also be curious how big of a carbon footprint um, cyber currency leaves. Also, hi, Taylor Swift. Um, I know I asked you earlier to make a uh, album, but also, uh, could you please be more responsible in using your private jet? You have one of the largest carbon footprints of any celebrity. So um, just be conscious of that. Thank you. Yes, be conscious of that. I was, uh, what else was I going to say? Reusable straws, like the metal ones. I actually really like that. Get some, get some metal straws i should see if i can make some for the msl shop a little msl logo printed on the tiny side um and i was also going to bring up the um secondhand clothing thing because i think that that part blurs a little bit into the other conversation that we were having of kind of this like not so much anti-capitalism but like a good way to be both health not health environmentally conscious and financially conscious of like you know, you might have to rummage around a little bit, but go to your local Goodwill. Like, you can find things that will, that you can find clothes there. You will be able to find clothes there. I very frequently uh, have found really great ties that just people just don't want anymore. Um, and obviously, there's people that we, uh, that we all know on social media who kind of does this as like a side hustle, actually. Claire mentioned her bestie, Alyssa, her husband. This is something he does, uh, Cotton Closet on Instagram, where he curates uh, men's clothing from vintage shops. So, and that's just kind of a way to be, like, environmentally mindful. And also, I think, like, in a good way, to be somewhat financially responsible as well. Because you can find some, like, really good clothing there for a really good price without having to support Jeff Bezos, who has plenty of money. I mean, the guy who owns Goodwill is also a capitalist and is still making money off of our used clothing. But obviously it's, it's, there's not, it's not perfect. Nothing we do is going to be perfect. Um, but just do your best Buy better. Like if you can buy good quality clothes that last a long time, um, don't over purchase clothing and then, you know, have to get rid of a whole bunch of it. Or, um, I know a lot of these fast fashion things like Shein, um, places like Forever 21, H&M, all of those types of places that sell these cheap clothing, like they're just constantly getting, going through stuff and most of their stuff ends up in the garbage and then that ends up in landfills and it takes a long time. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so hard because it seems like nothing that you do is ever enough and there's always going to be problem with whatever you do. And there is, and nobody's going to do it perfect and just 
do what you can and do the best that you can with what you are able within your means and then also doing what we can to hold those companies responsible for the damage that they've done to our environment and get a bottle of dawn soap and wash a duck you know like in the the commercial if if i ever catch any of you not tearing the little plastic soda bottle plastic holder thingy all the way up we're gonna have words those things kill sea turtles all the time like literally every 83 seconds okay so that's it for today's episode thanks bibe thanks bibe for being here to talk about the lorax thank you all for listening to this episode letting me be a liberal for a little while i always let you be a liberal i just gave you a microphone this time um as always you can head into the description of this episode to find all the important things um if you would like to support the show financially you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash msl pod you can make a one-time donation you can uh support we got a little fundraiser going on there to raise support to get a new laptop you can uh order a commission of a study guide written by me you get to pick the chapter out of the new testament or there is a monthly subscription that you can do. It gets you access to exclusive blog posts. Everyone who supports the show at the $9 a month tier gets a shout out here on the show. Would you like to give Lori her shout out? Hi, Lori. Thank you for listening once again. We will be back this Tuesday. That's right. Why are we going to be back this Tuesday? It's because this Tuesday is the 150th episode. So you get two MSL episodes next week. This coming Tuesday, I will be joined by Buddy Walk with Jesus's, that's a hard word to say, very own Joe Day to wish the man, the myth, the legend himself, Chuck Norris, a very happy birthday. Why are you rolling your eyes? This is a very logical episode for me to do. Thank you all for listening episode for international women's day i will next year i do want to do like a women's themed i think i told you before okay we're just gonna like peel back the curtain and not end the episode um i want to do in a very appropriate way like a month that focuses on women so like i don't know if there is like a well this is like women's month too isn't it so, like, the month of March at some point would be, like, a, a highlight reel through, like, w- women theologians. Um, I've also have thought about doing that for Black History Month as well and focusing on um, Black, African-American, African, what have you, theologians, even, you know, other, other categories as well, uh, other people's as well i just haven't been able to figure out how to do it well yet because i think there's a difference but i think if it's women's month here on msl and we're going to talk about women theologians and it's a bunch of bros doing it i think that's not quite right i think i think it might work better with women i think same with like you know if i did one for um black 
Black History Month, um, and it's just a bunch of honkies talking about. Uh, that's right. It's just a bunch of gringos talking about, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. for several weeks. Like, I feel like that's not quite right. So that is something in the brainstorming phase still and something I do really want to do. Um, but yeah, so not this go around, but hopefully in the future. Um, but yeah, we have quite the interesting list of people that we're going to be highlighting this month. Should I just do like a Beth Moore Bible study when I do international women? That's a joke. That's a joke. I'll do a Jen Wilkin one instead. Thanks for listening. And as always, this is Brandon signing off. And let's just do it. Let's do this episode right. Signing off, reminding you as always to speak for the trees.